Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Maybe Next Year, the podcast that is recording for the third time in just over a week. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. And uh, sorry about the tone here, but that's about the energy level I have. <laughs> I, I feel like a Bills team on a Tuesday night. Um, they obviously, I don't think anybody listening to this um podcast has any you know i don't think anybody's tuning in to find out what happened to the bills on tuesday night i think we're all tuned in to find out why it happened um buffalo of course losing its single biggest ass kicking uh in quite a while it says 40 to 30 that's not right that's <laughs> sorry I, I don't have the right box score up. i'm sorry guys it was 40 to 2 to 16 right Right. Yeah, we did 14. lose the game by a similar score to the Titans, I want to say, in like 2008-ish. But, you know, that'd be, yeah. that'd be the right one. Okay, but so if you're I, looking at Trent Edwards' numbers and being like, what the hell? That that could be the reason. Yeah, no, I think that it just Yahoo was like, hey, do you want to just look at something else? And I don't blame Yahoo because <laughs> I kind of do want to look at something else. But for you, the consumer, 42-16, to 16, Buffalo gets trounced by the... Um, I we haven't played in 14, haven't done anything but once in 16 days, Tennessee Titans on the road, um, a failure across the board. I, I, I'm starting off with the non-controversial things. Um, yeah. I don't think anybody on this podcast is going to tell you that like it was actually a good game or closer than it looked. Maybe somebody will say that, but um, it certainly was an ass kicking and it was very uncharacteristic. Uh, let's turn to Scott first, who had to watch it the next day in part and see how much of the game he got through before he just quit um, because it was a midnight start for him. Um, but I didn't, Scott, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't start. So I when I said the other day, I, I watched the first 10 minutes. I watched the first 10 minutes at 5 a.m. the next morning and right. then I went to work and then I, I checked the score and I was like, what the fuck happened there? Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to go ahead and go ahead and. Put put the kids away for this podcast because there's going to be some some bombs <laughs> dropped. I think. Yeah. Um, coming because yeah no that was I mean like I watched the first ten I was like oh they're looking a little sloppy the one thing that crept into the back of my head was like I remember that really weird game last year between the Ravens and the Titans when it seemed like the Ravens were going to come in there and just knock them off their socks it's like yeah the Titans beat the Pats but the Pats were kind of a paper tiger we knew that a little bit. And the Ravens mm-hmm. were just dominating people. So, and then literally everything went wrong for the Ravens in that game. Every every possible thing that could have gone wrong went wrong. And I don't think the Bills were quite that. And the Ravens were like, and it was a similar kind of thing in that the Ravens hung around maybe longer than they even deserved to, based on the fact that they're still a, they were still a quality team right. that was going through not going through the motions. They were playing as hard as they could. They just didn't. It just wasn't. They were a half step too soon. They were a half step too early, too late. Didn't quite do this. Didn't quite do that. And the Titans were just, for whatever reason, just locked in that night and not even really, not even, you know, they were clearly not thinking, you know, they were playing without kind of fear. And I think the layoff, um, obviously we've seen the defense kind of fall apart over time. I think the only thing I'll say to me, I would break this down into two kind of separate sets of failures. I'm not there, there's there's failures all around, but I would sure. say on defense, it was more of a failure and it has been a failure of execution. 
and okay. the players doing it. Um, this is largely, I want to say largely the same group. It is largely the same group. There are some changes, and maybe we haven't realized how important guys like Starla Tule and Lorenzo Alexander were. Maybe we didn't quite put two and two together that those guys were as important. Maybe it was Shaq Lawson as a guy and Jordan Phillips as a guy mm-hmm. that, you know, yes, we thought those guys were replaceable, and maybe we were all you wrong. Just, you just named four guys out of seven in the front, in what we is called the front seven. So, I mean, like... Yeah, yes, I and think that that's something that maybe we we haven't we discussed on this podcast. We're talking like about yeah. here and and they'd be well, we're paying money for them, so they must be good. And right. sometimes that we we I think we've 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 realized in the hindsight that maybe that wasn't a, a good decision, and and maybe the bills are as well. On the offense side, to me, it was more of a scheme problem, in that I don't think there's I, I mean obviously not having John Brown hurts. No one's going to deny that, and obviously mm-hmm. the first interception where. Andre Roberts, obviously, if that's John Brown out there, I'm pretty sure, A, the pass is going to be a little more on target because the, the timing's better, and B, John Brown's not going to drop it like an idiot. Um, and, right. and Roberts is is a, a fine number five receiver. It's just that when you have a number five receiver, you're going to have things like that happen sometimes. Right. Um, and so that, that was a little frustrating, and I think that when this team was forced – to essentially, you know, march five or six yards down the field every time. I don't know if you guys had watched by this, even the end of the second quarter, but even in the, but definitely in the second half. And it wasn't, the game was not out of hand until really the last, you know, 10, 15 minutes of the, of the test, 10, 15 minutes of the game, the Titans were in deep, deep coverage. They were in deep kind of quarters. Mm -hmm. Everyone was flying off the back of the line. There was no threat of the run game to keep them there. Um, even when Singletary would get into space, it was easy. It's easy to catch up to him because he's just not that fast. And I love him, but he's just not that fast. And then the, and and without a schematic way to either get more deep plays in the face of that kind of prevent defense or to get guys into space more effectively in front of it to where they've got room to run and, and pick up speed and can break tackles. The offense wasn't able to kind of put up enough points and matriculate the ball down the field without some s- catastrophic screw up or dumb turnover or whatever. And that's, and that's, that's all I'll leave it. So this is good because normally I would turn directly to Paul and ask for his thoughts, but in a weird way, Scott, you and I had came to entirely different conclusions about the failure. So I oh. think it's, I think it behooves me to go next and then Paul can offer his assessment okay. because, no, because can be the decider. Paul can be the decider and lead us into what will be our discussion point, which is which is the defense. Um, I, I think that was going to be our bigger our bigger theme yeah. of the day. And I know Paul has opinions I don't agree with on the defense. Um, so we will we will get there in due course. So Paul, steal thyself. Um, but it was funny you when, when you when you said that you felt like it was uh, a person it was um, execution failure in the defense and scheme in the offense um, throughout the year or certainly at least with the defense throughout the year, I kind of is not the exact opposite because I think in a failure like this game, um, it's, it's both right. Like clearly they didn't scheme and they didn't perform. Um, but to me, uh, the Jimmy's and the Joe's problem was on the defense. Um, not so much on the offense. Uh, the defense to me. Yeah. So not exactly the opposite, but I, I, to me, it wasn't like, 
an execution problem so much as I, I guess I guess I agree in that what I'm saying is um, the players but, are incapable of executing. Correct. Yeah, like Josh Norman is an Josh Norman as your second or third corner is exactly what we signed him for. He got abused by AJ Brown, and and it's just like and to me it's a different game with Trey White or Matt Milano or you know um and and I think the the big thing all year when we talk about the defense that I will readily agree with is like, there is no pass rush and whether that is Shaq Lawson and Lorenzo Alexander, or whether it's Starla Tulele just occupying more bodies than, than at Oliver does and, and freeing up some more stuff to me there. It, it's definitely, um, it's not so much execution. It actually, when I think of the word execution, I think of, I made a mistake as opposed to, I can't do that. And I think we have more I can't do that's right now, especially with the injuries, um, than I made a mistake. That said, nine, you know, nine pre-snap penalties out of ten, many of which were on the defense, you know, certainly speaks to plenty of mistake making. For me, the offense was about execution. To me, um, Obviously, I agree that like Andre Roberts is is a fifth receiver and not a second receiver. Um, but to me, um, and I love him, he's my golden boy. But Josh Allen took too long to adjust to the game plan for me. Um, certainly, looking back, uh, there were times when things were open and he was relying on Stefan Diggs way too much in the first half. Um, it's like he discovered uh, the new world. Like he was, you know, Happy Indigenous Peoples Day. Because Josh Allen discovered, uh, you know, the the land called Cole Beasley, not until the second half. Right. Um, Literally zero targets for Cole Beasley the entire right. first half. Yeah. And, and to me, like that is a failure of execution and 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 certainly doesn't, you know, they you know, that first interception to me is like like just shit luck. Right. Hits Andre Roberts in the top shoulder. He's used to people catching that football. It, it it bounces straight up in the air, like in the exact wrong way. And the next thing you know, it's it's in, in a Titans hand and he's running the other way. The second one, he's definitely like, I don't know, he's trying to make shit happen in the second half. And to me, like, you know, that comes back to some of the gunslinger stuff and, and, and whether, you know, I, I guess I'd rather him trying stuff than not. But um, even he said, you know, like he, he missed the open guy. He wasn't trying to win this game six, seven yards at a time. He is used to having John Brown available to him to open up the top of the field. And the only caveat of goodness, I would say, is that in the second half, he started to at least adjust to that. But it was definitely too little too late. And, you know, it's hopefully one of these things that he can fix later. But to me, it it was about his, his execution specifically um, in the second half and in, 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 on the offensive side, as opposed to a scheme issue, because to me, I saw people open and his job was to get, you know, make the second, third, fourth read, not throw to Stefan dog digs into triple coverage more than once, by the way, did he throw to Stefan digs in double and triple coverage. And to me, like you, at some point you've got to like, if you've got to take it to Devin Signaltary on second down and get five yards instead of 15, that's what you do. And they didn't do that nearly enough. Um, with regards to the offensive game plan. The last thing I'll say, because I, I want to give Paul a bit of a launch point here, um, is that as big as the score was, and certainly the defense was overmatched in this game, to me, the defense as a whole, when it's healthy, is plenty good. 
And I really do lay this at the feet of turnovers more so than I do at actual defensive failures. I think without the turnovers, it's a different football game. I don't know if they win. I don't think it's nearly this ugly. But I think Tennessee kind of played a perfect game, which is hard for any team to do. You know, they capitalized top to bottom on every mistake Buffalo did. And just that doesn't happen usually. And so they did. And Buffalo made costly mistakes and they got hit on every one of them. And so I think to me, this game, do I want to say it looks worse than it is? I don't know. Because Buffalo it looked pretty bad. <laughs> it looked really bad. And there's no denying that Buffalo screwed the pooch on this. Like, like they blew it. They were not ready. Like top to bottom, they weren't ready. But to me, if you played this game ten times, I, I think Buffalo doesn't lose all of them. And I think that this is the outlier. I think to me, this is, this is like, the the, the uh, platonic form of a perfect Titan script, more or less, um, as opposed to uh, what was inevitable to happen because of how the bills are constructed. But I, I now turn it to Paul, who, of course, will have excellent thoughts. And, and I, I look forward. Yeah. And to, to be fair to both of you, you both also, I think, had excellent thoughts. One thing that, you know, Scott kind of initiated, which Frank agreed with and I do, too. I think we all uh, underrated the Titans compared to both what they did last year and the start that they got off to this year and the quality of the players uh, that they have. I'd noted all the players that were out on our mini pod on Sunday. And so this is going to be a problem for them, but they had a lot of key players who were, were there and they were, they were tough for the bills to, to overcome. And they were also really well rested. And that just makes uh, that, that made an enormous difference for them. I also want to just agree with uh, Frank on the, on the John Brown news. I won't lie. I had a secret hope in this game that Gabriel Davis was going to come out and just wow us with his performance. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. Of all the things that sucked on Tuesday, Gabriel Davis was near the bottom of the list. He was he was totally av- you know average to mediocre, which made him one of the best players on the field for the Bills on Tuesday. In um, a normal game, it'd be an excellent effort from a rookie wide receiver in his fifth game. But yes, <laughs> but I I had the secret hope because uh, John Brown not to get too 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 much thinking about 2021 because we got 2020 to focus on and it's been a good football year uh to this point it's gonna have john brown he cost 9.75 million dollars to keep and 1.6 million if you get rid of him and you add over 8 million in cap space and if gabe davis can fill that role and the offense can help you know you know can function just as well with gabe in there this is a great place to save for the bills but guess what? But, you know, as Frank pointed out, we all learned that with John Brown's absence is just huge for this this offense. Andre Roberts was in a role he shouldn't have been. Andre Roberts with easily his worst game as a, a bill and no good kick returns, really bad decision on a punt return, fumbled a kickoff return. And then, of course, the ball that was maybe not perfectly thrown by on, but one he very much should have had or at least, you know, kept in front of him and not knocked into Malcolm Butler's arms. Um, you know, terrible game for for him offensively too, but they miss John Brown, his ability to stretch the field. You know, that's what makes me agree with Frank more on the fact that I didn't have an issue with, with Dable's game plan at all. I think they, they missed Brown. I think the Titans have a, you know, they gave up some points in a couple of their first games, but they have a fairly good defense and they shut down, you know, new England pretty Mm -hmm. well. They, they did a good job with Baltimore, uh, Scott mentioned. So, 
you know, it was just, it was a tough effort. And I don't worry necessarily about all of the players on offense regressing as much as I do. This was just a crap game for Josh, which before this year, we would have just called this a normal Josh game. What, 260 some yards, two TDs, yeah. two picks. It was perfectly in line with the kind of things he was doing, especially his rookie year. Mm-hmm. The Scott talked about the run offense. I agree that that was, you know, that's been bad. That's why the team's sniffing around Le'Veon Bell as we record this podcast right now. It's Devin Singletary and the run blockers. You know, none of them have been up to speed or, or at least at the level that they were last year. And that is a problem. It is fine that the Bills are pass heavy and rely on the the pass to, you know, make waves. But, you know, two teams that are having great success this year, Kansas City and Cleveland, also have fairly dynamic running games to support what have been exceptionally good passing games with, you know, Mahomes and Mayfield and then the weapons that that Mahomes has with Kelsey and Watkins and everyone. And then you've got Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb in the running game for Baker Mayfield with, you know, Odell Beckham, you know, and the uh, able to, you know, do all sorts of things as we saw against the Cowboys. So, you know, the, the run offense needs a, needs a kick in the butt, as we would say. And that was a problem that has been recurring. So that's the one that I care about most. I think the offense, otherwise you get John Brown back, you know, you stay away from some injuries. You, you're able to stretch that field again. You rebound from just a terrible game. Uh, you're going to be okay. Special teams, I'll, two senses on them. I talked about Roberts already, so we won't recover that. But uh, Bajorquez with one great punt, but man, he keeps trying to screw over Tyler Bass on field goals. And Tyler doesn't need any help getting <laughs> screwed so, over because he'll do that on his own. But again, the late so is straight bad. up. Yep. It's so bad. And he's been holding balls before. I mean, it's like this is, yeah, not it's his... Th- this is his third Sorry. year. It's like he's yeah. never seen Ace Ventura. And yes, holding balls is hilarious. Uh, Ace Ventura was brought up in the commentary, which is the only thing I liked about the commentary team because they really couldn't seem to be happier to be, have you know, enforcing their tent gosh look how great tennessee is to come through all this <laughs> as opposed to these you know cheating plague carriers who you know are happy to infect the entire league and 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 destroy they have, america given superpowers by the coronavirus possibly that's the one positive side of hopefully that's the only positive side effect uh, as we do more coronavirus testing this week. Paul, would you mind if we did three stars and then talked about the defense? No, no problem. That'll be I perfect. think we should just put a bow on this game, get the fuck out of it, and then then we can talk about whether there is an actual problem with the defense or not. Okay. Uh, right. Honorable mention, Josh Allen, for some statistics. I don't want to go through them, Frank. <laughs> well, I can tell you. He threw for 263 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, was sacked once. He added four carries for 18 yards. So not not his best day at the office. I I, I was I mean I thought he was doing Yeoman's work again, like uh, Yeoman's work again uh, as, mm-hmm. has come up now um, mm-hmm. our discussions. But uh, yeah, the not a again a typical Josh Allen game of a year ago, which was good enough for an honorable mention a year ago, just with higher mm-hmm. usage. So all the quantitative counting stats go up um but that's 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 the way we're running the offense and given how bad the the run game is working right now why not um your honorable mention um goes to uh i could have given it to cole beasley he also had a nice game you know now that when they found him in the second half i ended up giving it to stefan diggs as kind of the representative of someone who was was doing his best on on sunday 
uh, or on Tuesday, I guess was the game. Um, you know, 10 for 106 yards. Um, again, uh, continuing to show that he's, he's, we didn't have him at this point. I would be really concerned about the offense. I think, yeah. I think I agree with some of Frank's points that obviously Tennessee has a good defense. I think to me, the, the concern is, is that the, the, if, we, we we haven't played all that many good defenses so far, and I'm worried there's going to be more coming. So we'll have to figure out how much of this is an issue. But that's a discussion for another day. Um, second star goes to Malcolm Butler. Seven tackles, two interceptions. Obviously, the one that was basically a gift. The other one was not quite a gift, but it was thrown pretty much directly at him um, when Allen didn't see him and he was able to cash in. And there was at least one other one. I'm not sure if he dropped that other one. Um, or if there was another Titan that dropped it when Allen basically threw it right to him. But regardless, uh, obviously a, a good defensive effort in general for Tennessee. They The Bills were able to move the ball, just not get it all the way down for scores, mm-hmm. which is dramatic. And then uh, first star goes to A.J. Brown. Um, Tannenhill had a fine game, but was not actually that you know terribly efficient or effective. He just had short fields to work with, and he was able to make the most of it. So I give A.J. Brown more credit as being the only one on Tennessee's wide receivers who was actually supposed to be there that day, probably, and it showed up. In addition to having seven catches for 82 yards and a touchdown, also had at least, I think, two pass interference calls that he drew against Josh Norman. Yeah, I think um, that's right. So, uh, you know, obviously those would kind of count in his, his game impact um, and probably not a great sign for the Bills that there's, you know, a, a really good up-and-coming receiver who's was obviously kind of up and coming last year. Now he's kind of on the borderline of, of breaking out as like a, a league star, um, you know, just one division over. So uh, that was uh, that was three stars for this uh, horrific Bills Titans game. <sighs> <sighs> okay. Glad we got through those quickly. I also did we have did. to look up. I remember there was that similar score from 09. I mentioned it was actually 41 to 17. So one point off each, uh, right and there. that terrible Trent Edwards was benched for Ryan Fitzpatrick game that started the Fitz magic era in Buffalo. I was hopeful that this um, this will not come up in this day in Bill's history, but I looked it up. This hopefully will end up reminding me of October 8th, 1991. Bills lose to Chiefs 33-6 to on Monday night football. The 5-0 and Bills fall to 5-1, and and the high-powered offense absolutely destroyed by Christian Okoye on the offense with Steve DeBerg and then Derek Thomas on the defense for the yeah, Chiefs. Yeah, that, was, that was like playing Tecmo Super Bowl, Christian Okoye, that game. That was, yeah, that he, was brutal. He he was unbelievably brutal, um, and, and the Bills couldn't get out of their own way in that game either. Um, and so, and you know, the 1991 Bills went to a Super Bowl. So, uh, you know, hopefully it is more akin to that than some sort of harbinger of doom. Um, one of the things we talked about last week when Cassie was on the show and we have talked about privately and we have talked about on this podcast and is talked about across the la- Bill's land, uh, Bill's topia, uh, is WTF the defense. Um, because, of course, we are used to the Leslie Frazier, Sean McDermott defense that has finished, you know, top five really since they've been here. Um, and it is certainly not top five now. And I think that certainly as they were winning games, it was harder for some people to get their point across that there was problems with the defense. But now in a blowout loss, 
um, where they, you know, they give up 42 points. Uh, it's certainly the time for some folks to beat the drum if they would like uh, that the defense is a serious problem for this football team. And so I invite to the floor, Mr. Paul, De, uh, Paul, we don't really say last names, but Paul Demanski. We don't. I'm I'm fine. I, people okay. know what I do. Yeah, Paul, um, who who I think has been the most vocal on our podcast about the defense, um, and I and I invite you to 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 argue with me with regards to the relevance and and, and detriment of the defense, as well as as Scott, who can who can fill in and be tiebreaker. I am I am ready for this, as you can imagine, Good. and also. We, I want to give credit to our pod for we've been talking about this now for weeks, and I feel like it didn't explode this week until the Bills Twitterverse when it actually cost them, uh, didn't necessarily cost them, but was yes. a major contributor to uh, the results of the game. Uh, one quick stat I want to float uh, by you guys. This is a little bit of, of trivia you may have seen the answer to. <laughs> The Titans became the first NFL team to score a touchdown on every red zone possession of a minimum of six red zone drives, have zero turnovers, and allow no sacks in a game since when? Since never. It has happened once before. Sixteen seventy-four. Very close. Two, yeah. Two thousand and seven. Yeah. When the Patriots defeated the Bills 56 to 10. That was oh, also a game Andrea that was supposed Mitchell. to be scheduled. You know, it was a during the day game that was then flexed to, to a nighttime game, not for COVID, right. but because the Bills actually won five out of six. And then the Bills got just uh, their heads handed to them. The infamous so, Andrea Mitchell IFing of Tom Brady at the end of the game. <laughs> or Andrea Kramer, I think. Andrea right? Kramer. No, Andrea Mitchell, much better. Um, <laughs> journalist than andrew anyway sorry right um so yeah this has been disappointing for the the defense when scott had made a comment earlier about just because you pay guys like they're good doesn't mean they are good and i immediately had flashbacks to kavika mitchell and marcus stroud and larry triple and other guys that the team paid and ended up being no good uh mm-hmm. without presenting frank's point of view because he can argue himself one of the cruxes i think he'll he's talked about on twitter i'm sure i'll go into in more details he's talking about by qualitative measures at least before tuesday the bills defense was not really doing that bad especially in comparison to other uh nfl defenses my viewpoint which i will assert with evidence uh is that the defense is simply bad most of the time the reason they appear better by certain qualitative measures may be more because so often that offense has put them in a position where allowing yards and points just doesn't mean as much you know when you're averaging about 31 points a game as the bills were through four games, you know, of course, allowing the opposing offense to move the ball and score more is not as big a deal as it would be as if, you know, this were last year's offense, for example. And then I, I start to look at the personnel and Scott brought up some names earlier. None of us were really like missing star Latulale. I think at best we were, we would kind of agree like, oh yeah, he, he's helped kind of show up the run defense. They miss him. Uh, but we felt he was one of those overpaid guys. So he didn't matter. Uh, he may be overpaid, but he obviously matters. Lorenzo Alexander, like, yeah, he does fine, but he's at the end of his career and certainly not the player he was for the Bills in, you know, 2015. But he was still a better player than anything the Bills have had to offer. They lost Shaq. They lost Jordan Phillips. They have had just an atrocious pass rush for weeks now. In this competition, um, especially with the offenses that they'll have coming up, it is not going to get easier. Right now, Tremaine Edmonds is either playing very injured with that shoulder. He's regressed 
has been exposed or some combination of those things. They've had no answers on the interior since Latula opted out. Uh, Ed Oliver has been invisible. I just saw an article on that today, and even Leslie Frazier called him out today in his press conference and said they need more out of him. Uh, Teron Johnson is getting eaten up in coverage. He's a guy that even if Trey White were healthy, is still going to be on the field most of the time because teams so often go three receiver sets against the Bills. And boy, without Trey White, whether they have Levi Wallace or not, those cornerbacks are a below average unit. And that is also, you know, an enormous problem. You get Trey back, they're just going to pick on Levi or Josh or Cam Lewis or whoever happens to be over there. And so, you know, my my strong concern is the personnel got weaker from last year than maybe we gave it credit for because we looked at Shaq and Jordan Phillips and like, ah, they were nominal stars. They didn't even start many games last year. And Lorenzo is old and Star is overpaid, but all four of them made some good contributions that are being missed. You add in an injured Matt Milano and what he's he's done as far as you know being able to cover people over the middle and rush the passer. You look at what Tremaine Edmonds did last year versus Tremaine this year. There's not a lot to like on this defense right now other than Trey White. And when Trey White is out, we see just a lot of problems. So I'm of the firm mind that this might be the worst of the defense in terms of points allowed this year, although we got the Chiefs coming up Monday, so we'll see. Uh, but I have a feeling things are still going to continue to be extremely rocky on this defense. This is good because I find myself agreeing and still feeling confident in my ultimate point here. All right. Um, this is good because I don't disagree that there, you know, are issues and 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 I and I fully agree that like you know it's a step back from where defenses have been with the Bills. I think my ultimate point though and I think that this game highlights a lot of that strangely is that it doesn't matter as much as the offense matters because to me this game was not about incredible defensive struggles. There were defensive struggles that didn't make it any easier. I agree. Like, certainly, you know, one of the things I will say about the Tennessee game is if, if you gave me any two of Levi Wallace, Matt Milano, Trey White, or or even, uh, you know, John Brown on the offense, I think it's a win for Buffalo because I think that your defense only needed to be a little bit better to get the Tennessee offense off the field more often. There was a ton of third downs. They were there. There were so many pre-snap penalties that, uh, to me, like they were giving, they were shooting themselves in the foot more so than the Titans were beating them. And you know, if you can give me a semi-answer for AJ Brown, even if it's like a half-assing Trey White, who you know limits him a little bit, I don't think the Titans are on the field as often. And I think the other big thing about it is, you know, they handed the 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 Titans three drives inside the 20 and, and the fourth one inside the 30, all of which were touchdowns. And the rest of the time, the Titans scored 14 points. And so to me, what can get lost in here is that even at this diminished capacity, there were things that were kind of going right for the defense. They were put in impossible situations. And again, I think the Titans executed perfectly. And I think that a healthier Bills offense would have been able to disrupt that. Um, to me, the 
it's not a question of whether the defense is worse than the last couple of years. I think it is. I concede this point. What I think it is, is I think it's good enough when it's healthy. I think it's thin. I don't like the fact that you need every starter to play these games in order for it to be, you know, functional at like a, you know, 15th best defense in in the league kind of situation. But I also think it does that. And I think what improves this team and what helps this team is the offense. And I'm much happier having this offense with this defense when it's healthy than the other way around. Then this game would have been last year where it would have been okay. Or maybe the Kansas city game is a better example of that. Let me hold this thought for a second, because I wanted to point out too, that prior to this week, you know, the three teams that people were complaining about the defense, Paul, before this game, I think this was the game where a lot of people were just like, see, I told you. And, you know, people like me, for example, <laughs> people like you and not just you, but like, you, you know, if you look at the offenses, they actually played, you know, Las Vegas, Miami and um, the Rams, you know, that they were fifth, ninth and tenth going into offensive scoring last week. They put up one hundred and three points. OK, right. The Bills gave up 83 points to those teams. They scored 20 more points just on Sunday. So I think that they have been playing good offenses. You know, I don't think, I don't know. I still don't think Tennessee's a great offense. I think Tennessee got a, like, fucking, ins- like, when's the last time somebody had four drives start inside their, the opposite 30? Like, that's insane. Like, that is insane. And they capitalized on every one of them, okay? And certainly they could do some things. They they, they could extend drives, and that's why they won the game. Because they, they limited Buffalo's chances on offense, and Buffalo limited their own chances on offense. But to me, like, this is probably still not as good as the Las Vegas or the Rams offense. I think they, they just were shorthanded and they absolutely were pinned against the wall here. I think what I want to say is this in, in closing, because um, I've actually addressed a lot of the other stuff that I was going to bring up. When we talk about this Kansas City game on Monday, I, I guarantee you all three of us are going to say, well, here comes a great offense. Here comes a great offense, and what are we going to do against this great offense? Well, guess what? Even this defense at full strength, even last year's defense, was going to give up a shitload of points to the Kansas City Chiefs. The fact that they're shorthanded or playing pissy and poor now almost doesn't change that because Kansas City is probably not going to score 60, and I've probably jinxed them by saying that, but <laughs> they weren't going to do that anyway. How did the Kansas City Chiefs lose last week? The Las Vegas Raiders put up 40 on them. That's what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is when you're going to play these other offenses, the the days of trying to hold them down are long gone, especially this year where there are like no holding penalties apparently and pass interference and quarterbacks are being protected like even more so. The only answer you have for teams like Kansas City is offense. You have to be able to score with them and you have to be able to frustrate them on defense. You have to be able to make them punt here and there, or if you can get a turnover, which is really what this defense needs. This defense needs sacks and turnovers, which I, they can't do, but I think they're good enough that a healthy bills offense, that's not shooting itself in the foot. And now I'm going to turn it over to you, Scott. That's what's going to win the games that were unwinnable last year. You need to be able to score with Kansas City. And so I'm not so worried that 
they're giving up points. Even after this, just fucking put it in the trash and set it on fire game against Tennessee. So I, I will kind of bifurcate my points here and say, so one is like the structural build of the defense from a roster construction standpoint. I think one problem I know I at least identified and was concerned about going into season, and it's been a consistent problem for the entire time that I think McDermott's been here, is that we're going to not have any cornerback depth. We're not going to, we're not going to, we're not interested in that. We've got Trey White and then we'll, and, 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 and really in the secondary in general, we've got Trey White, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, and then we'll figure the rest out. Teron Johnson. Okay. Like he, you know, he's played okay at times in the past. He's obviously off to a bad start this year. Um, Certainly on Sunday, he was getting beat a lot Tuesday, whatever it was. By the um, way, great corner, great nickel corner and run support. Not going to argue against that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that, that's fine. But but in general, this idea that, you know, in this age of high powered offenses, that if you lose one cornerback and you're now on and then you are basically you're putting your last cornerback on the field at that point, who's on the roster, you're taking an inordinate amount of risk. And I don't know how we can do that um consistently and i understand they want to keep the defensive line fresh but having the amount of linemen that they do there there is a trade-off to that and it is depth in the secondary and i think that's been a roster construction issue that's bothered me about the defense for because it was an issue Vontae davis's year as well when we're right. just taking people off the street and hoping that they'll work out this josh norman deal again no one was expecting him to be more than a second corner but even that was kind of asking a lot for a guy who, as we, we said at the time, was not able to get on the field for the Washington football team last year. So that's concerning from a long-term structural perspective. The second one that I don't think we saw coming on the long-term structural perspective was this fall off in the pass rush. I don't, obviously none of us are professional scouts. We don't watch the rest of the league. We assume that the bills are doing this kind of stuff. So when they bring in guys like Vernon Butler and Mario Addison, Quinn Jefferson, that they know what they're doing. And none of those guys, I mean, Addison's had a sack here or there. Jefferson, I think, had maybe one and like a forced fumble. And that's been it in five games to this point out of these guys. And we're not seeing it. Oliver, as you know, they, he needed to take a step at this point. He has not. Epinesa, I'm glad he's on the field at least. Yeah. Epinesa but, has no problem taking a step, you know, forward before the ball's been snapped on a third oof. and less than five. That he has no problem oof. taking a step on. Um. Uh, Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt that point, but Evanessa pissed me off. I forgot to mention him. Yeah, he looked like a he looked like a rookie. He really, you know. Yeah, and that's actually just some at some point later in the season, we might have to have a conversation about the draft of this team because, you know, that's two high picks in a row for the defense that have not paid dividends yet. So, anyway, continue, Scott, please. So getting to now, so those are kind of Bean and McDermott kind of level decisions about how the team is being constructed that I'm increasingly concerned. You know, for a while, we thought that they had been picking nothing but winners on on, you know, defense and that the offense were the ones where it was kind of like, I don't know if any of these guys are really working out. And now it's like the defensive record is not quite 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 sold yet either. But anyway, we'll come back to that. 
In terms of the short-term issues with this team, I think, I, I mean, I think you guys are, are all making, you know, kind of decent points. I don't want to wade too much into the debate. I think I would say, just because it could go on forever, but I would say, to me, the biggest issue that I'm concerned about with, it's partially on the injuries, but I think it's more of a structural problem if the defensive line does not get their stuff together is mm-hmm. the pass rush really the the red zone because that's the other way like frank brought off some ways that you can you know the defense can still affect the game one of them is is turnovers which are obviously kind of impossible to predict and count on they're just a high variability kind of stat that's just something that exists um, interceptions maybe less so but fumbles fumbles and fumble recoveries certainly more so are, are very kind of luck dependent um then the other thing, um, you know, yeah, getting a punt here or there is good, but really it's red zone defense. It's turning seven-point possessions into three-point possessions. And they weren't able to do that on Sunday. And that has been something that I think I've seen more of this year than I am surprised than I was expecting. And so I think that'll get a little bit better when you have somebody like Matt Milano in because he is somebody who can play coverage. Um, and when your secondary is a little there – but on some level, unless you've got a pass rush, eventually someone will be able to find a touchdown. Some someone will be able to put someone into a bad position, even in the red zone, and you'll be able to you'll be able to get that down. So, I'm concerned about the red zone defense, and I think there's a chance that that will get better. But I think even that has a ceiling based on how the defensive line's playing. Maybe the defensive line will gel as the year comes on. Um, you know, OTAs, whatever you want to say, they're out of shape. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, a lot of the offenses are going off this year, so maybe it's not just our defense that's gotten worse. We're only looking at that the close. Um, but uh, it does seem it does seem odd uh, that there's been such a regression, and I don't think you can put it all on the injuries. So uh, yeah, I think I think we got we have we're gonna have to face the problem with the defense the whole year. I did not see a full in- thank you Scott. I did not see a full injury report, but I did see that John Brown and Trey White and maybe even Matt Milano were doing something certainly Yeah, they were doing walkthroughs. Yeah. I think everyone except Dawson Knox who was hurt was doing a walkthrough, even Levi right. Wallace who can't play because he's on injured reserve he's on was three doing weeks, a right, yeah. And I by the way twisted my ankle and so I feel for him because it took me 2 weeks to even you know, just do some squats. So that's still more squats than I've done in the last couple of years. <laughs> well, to look at Paul's ass, you can see <laughs> that the man has none, and so he has not done a squat uh, in forever. He is not. He is the anti Kim Kardashian. Um, <laughs> I'd like to take a moment to point out, like how great our podcast is. That we just had this incredibly intelligent discussion about the defense, um, and that's the kind of thing that you should be sharing with your friends. Do you want to know what's happening with this football team? MNY Bills on Twitter, B Bills MNY on Facebook. Tell your friends, download maybe next year, because this is what you're going to get. You know, we were pissed off Tuesday. We were pissed off Wednesday. When we come here Thursday to talk about it, we've put notes together. We have it all ready to go. We have a conversation. It's awesome. I think it's. I think this is a, a great little thing that we do and i'm happy that we got to a section about this i it took a a bill's loss to get us here but to me this is kind of the strength of this podcast the other strength of this podcast of course 
is our listeners, which is not what Scott believes, because Scott believes that the, the plebs, you know, are lucky to even, you know, own headphones to you, listen to us. I literally thought you were going to say this day in Bill's history. I literally no, no. thought that. That is the crown jewel of this day. Right, right. But since I am trying to kiss ass and get these, like, morons who listen to us to uh, give our podcast to other morons, then I'm just going to, you know, don't worry. They they can't hear this part. Um, I'm going to just pretend like I like them um, and and, and throw Scott under the bus. No, seriously, uh, um, the last couple of weeks since I had to cover one game on Twitter, um, I found myself logging into the MNY Twitter which has been Paul's sort of just like regular Twitter for a while. And so like his friends are tweeting back to me and I'm like, I don't care that Paul uses this. Like, cause like, I don't know, like I'm just going to keep tweeting from here because I miss the interaction with the people who listen to us. Um, and so, you know, it's been nice, but I, I'd like to go through some of the um, questions from Twitter and Facebook. Um, I have uh, Jasmine Jester here who is, well, first of all, Bills and Beers, at some point we need to consider 12 days off as something other than a liability. I think we covered that. Um, and you can probably hear more about that with Lars and the gang on Bills and Beers. But Jasmine Jester says, that was less a slap in the face wake-up call and more of a solid kick to the balls. Fuck your effing ideas up kind of game. Didn't look like a lack of prep, looked like a lack of D-depth and a lack of special teams and offensive execution. Next up, the angry Chiefs. Great. Um, when you, you get your ass beat this bad, you can't really disagree with anything that somebody says that yeah. actually went wrong. But I think that 10 penalties, none of which are pre-snap, speaks to some some level of prep going wrong. And I and to me, we didn't really talk about that that much. Like, it's out of characteristic. It, it, it's nice to finally have a team that's like, that's not the Bills. Like, the Bills don't right. really do that This anymore. is like watching a Nathan Peterman game. Basically. It was, or it was like watching a Rex Ryan game. Like yeah. it, it was kind of like so far afield from discipline. Like we've watched them lose, but I feel like I haven't watched them like absolutely fuck themselves. Like in a, I think in, some, the, I give some credit to Tennessee on this. I think yes. they were very, they very much were trying to bait us to try and get us off. They got Ed Oliver, who's one who will do that. They got Evan S obviously like they were very much, trying to do that and then i think at some point it does become psychological because you're 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 worried about it you're thinking about it too much and then you do it um so i i would hope that that is just a one-time week let's not worry about it it'll be a a blip thing and not like that's just what this defense turns into because it's one thing for the defensive line to show up and not pass rush it's another thing for them to show up not pass rush and take penalties because that and and, in like incredibly key situations like just like third and fives, like Paul was saying, and just, like, they just, like, extended... They weren't just, like, nothing penalties. They absolutely extended drives with their mistakes. And and it was frustrating beyond all belief. But to me, there was something going on, and I know that McDermott twice in two days declined to comment on the... Um, and we didn't talk about this either, like, the absolute clusterfuck that was trying to get this game played... Um, because right. So to be on, fair, we did devote almost an entire mini pod to that topic. So we did, but we on did. Saturday after our pod, there was another positive test with a coach. Yep. The Bills closed practice largely based on reporting because they believed that they were half installing a Chiefs game plan in case they had to play Thursday, and half installing a Titans game plan in case they still had to play Tuesday. And I don't know. I feel like 
Sunday rolled around before we had any clarity that the Titans were actually going to still play on Tuesday. And so even though coach wasn't going to going to take the L, you know, give, you know, you know, place the blame there. I don't want to totally dismiss that. Like they absolutely got jerked around um, this past week. And hopefully it's something that if it happens again, which is not impossible this season, they'll be better prepared for it. Having gone through it. Um, I have a question. Why do you hate offense? Oh, that was me. I asked Paul that and we already answered that. So um, uh, Brian, the, uh, the Abyssinia later. Abyss- That's why I call him Brian. Cause I've never quite been able to pronounce the. Yeah. Abyss- you should, you should tweet us how to pronounce that. I see Abyss. I see later and I see Inia in the middle. Okay. I made the sensible decision not to start watching the midnight kickoff game, much like Scott did. Uh, being optimistic, I avoided the score all day to watch after work, then went to find the full game on YouTube and the score flashed up, so I didn't bother at all. I can barely think of a primetime game that has gone well for us or at least hasn't made me a nervous wreck with sleep deprivation. So my bar is set pretty low for these games now. Um, and there was so, a. So they did well against. Um, I want to point out they had the game that we all went to against Pittsburgh. That that went really well, but obviously it didn't reverse the trend totally. No, not entirely. Uh, Jasmine agreed with him, saying that he also did not watch the game starting at midnight. So you've got a good group of company over there that didn't watch the game with you in England, um, Scott. Uh, who Jasmine also disappointed to have watched some of this game before coffee, um, and. We have a longtime Patriots fan associate of the podcast, Vin, who says, is Buffalo buying or selling on Le'Veon? And I haven't checked ESPN in the last hour, so that question may be moot. It is, in fact, mostly moot. Because yeah, yeah, based on reports of the last 10 minutes, at least. Yes. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to steal your thunder there, but it now says that Le'Veon Bell's ruled out the Bills and is going to be choosing between the Dolphins and Chiefs. Um, normally I'd be like, well, you know, it's a, it's, it's a minor loss. You know, it would have been good to have someone, a leader like that, like Frank Gore helped Singletary out last year and someone who was just three short years ago, a superstar running back who doesn't have a ton of tread on the, uh, tires, uh, because he had that year off in there and he's still relatively young, but, um, I am disappointed I, I'm disappointed that they didn't get him because now they're gonna have to play him either either this Monday uh, or possibly when they when they face the Dolphins later this year. So yeah. yeah, no no huge loss I think in terms of the long term viability of the franchise unless he turns into you know the guy who was with the Steelers just a few years ago. But definitely disappointed because I think he would have helped the team the running back room and also because you know they're gonna have to deal with them now you know maybe i don't i guess i did i don't quite agree with that i think the good news for you is that if he signs with the chiefs he won't be eligible for monday because i think there are covid protocols about how long you have to stay home before you can actually join a facility um and i think that i think those rules would just about preclude him from playing against the bills if he signed with the chiefs um the other thing i would say is yeah, if you get the 2017 Bell, then he's great. If you get any of the Jets Bell, I don't know. I'm fine with Devin Singletary, who obviously hasn't done much, but I don't know. Is it going to be much better? Maybe? I don't know. It's a hard question to, to decide whether whether the Jets are not using him or if the Bills are – sorry, the Jets weren't using him um, or if he's just sort of lost a step. The other interesting thing is that normally in this situation – Scott, his money would be offset by whatever the Jets are paying him. But the Jets being the Jets, 
um, signed a contract that are, is basically like his money from the Jets is his money from the Jets, and any money he makes on a different team will not be counted against his Jets money. So uh, normally you could probably convince him to play for the league minimum, and he would just show up wherever he wanted to show up because it wasn't going to make a difference to his bottom line. But now he, in fact, will be paid twice by two different teams for more money than he was already going to make from the Jets this year. Yeah, I think that's the, I mean, that's, that was the thing that I was thinking of was like, I would be willing to consider like not to throw off the whole, you know, chemistry and process and the whole thing, which I don't think I've completely given up on just because it's not really just because we had a bad game two nights ago. Um, But I think it seemed like an obvious choice of like, if we can get him on the Cam Newton you know, Josh Norman, veteran, minimum million dollars, two million dollars for a season for 12 games and then the playoffs. Like it'd be a worthy investment. And if it we don't keep them long term, whatever, um, I would have been willing to kind of add somebody who adds a different dimension to the run game than, than Devin Singletary does. Um, and under, under the theory that he is closer to that, you know, two years ago version or three years ago version. But obviously we can't. Well, sounds doesn't sound like we're gonna find out. So, oh well. Oh well. Um, that's it for for uh, fans' questions this week. I had something else I wanted to say. I can't quite remember what it was, so it can't have been that helpful. Um, but I think at this point we should turn to this day in Bill's headlines, uh, and we will then get to our Kansas City preview. Um, tainted as it will be, since they were supposed to play tonight, and now they're playing Monday afternoon. The strangest of all times, um, and we have no clue who's healthy and who isn't, so um, we'll do that. Uh, and at some point, I do need to update the pod on the Bills Box fan boxes, because they are delightful t-shirts, folks. And if you're not subscribed and you're looking for some Bills gear, it's not a bad way to go, but I'm not going to do it now. We're going to go to this day in Bills headlines. All right. Uh, yeah, this will be uh, this day in, in Bills headlines for October... 15th and yeah i'm glad that i'm glad it's like i have a proposal due exactly at 5 p.m on monday uh the start of a game but that's that's a, a bitch and moan for another day so all right we're gonna go i i'm optimistic about you guys this week there's only one where i'm kind of like eh, this could be a strike i think all these these others are gettable so here we go 2019 receiver blank revives career with bills he says i had my days and my doubts like man, this is not going to work out. But at the end of the day, I overcame adversity and it made me the man who I am today. I don't regret nothing. I will note that the Bills were just coming off a big road win in Tennessee. (laughs) Oh, hilarious. Hmm. Rejuvenated career receiver. Uh 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 The road win in Tennessee is also a helpful hint if you can remember that game. This was 2018? 2019, just last 2019. year. So just last year. Oh, my God. Why can't we remember this? I mean, I was. I, I partly want to say John Brown, but it's kind of like I'm not really sure that it's him because he doesn't – his career wasn't really in need of rejuvenation. It was just he had kind of a – Right, he just had, he, had kind of, he hadn't reached his full capabilities yet. Please. I will uh, – he caught the winning touchdown pass in this game. This I will give so I, I think I will give a hint that could could help by the way I phrase it. He is still part of the Bills organization. Eric Wood. 
No, no. Obviously not no, Eric Wood. Yeah. It's it's Lee. It's still making some uh, highlight reel catches in practice. Who is the tight end? Lee Smith. No, no, not tight end. We're receiver mm. still. Was he? Yeah, he was. So it's not. Lee Smith caught a touchdown in that game. That's what I'm thinking of. I, I, this, this is terrible. We're off to a really terrible start. Yeah. Bill's, Bill's practice squad member, last hint. Zay Jones, no. The guy, uh, they traded Zay Jones. They traded Zay Jones on this day last year because this guy had kind of taken his spot. So it was thought. All Andre right. Andre Roberts. Answer. This is uh, Duke Williams, guys. Duke Williams, okay. Look how quickly I forgot Duke Williams. <laughs> he's still, <laughs> he's still remember, practicing with the team remember when, today. Remember when we were like, oh, Duke Williams, he's going to help this team. Yep. Uh, he had 10 targets in the playoff game, for crying out loud. All right. Well, he was the secret weapon. Anyway, yes, continue. All right, here we go. 2018, dismal legend of Bill's blank continues. With the Bills hoping Blank might carefully guide them into winning field goal range before overtime, his numbness between the ears returned once game pressure amplified. He believed again that he was the arm to he has the arm to rip long, barely forward passes into the hands of his receivers between the field painted numbers and the sideline before defensive backs can arrive. Ouch, Nathan, that was... Nathan Peterman. Nathan Peterman. All right. Here we go. 2015, five years ago, with Aaron Williams on IR. Blank moves up. He says, I can play in this league. I'm one of the better safeties in the league athletically. I just have to display that. This is a 2013 round four pick by the Bills out of Nevada. Uh, Four seasons with the Bills. He was released November of 2016, then played one game with the Colts. Mm -hmm. 57 games with the Bills, 10 starts. And a member of the one club, I call it. He had one sack, one interception, and one defensive touchdown, along with one forced fumble. Yeah, this is going to be bothering me because I, I do remember. I feel like we we drafted like a pair of defensive backs that year. One was Nevada, one was another school, but I don't remember the name. Uh, something with the Z. I'm going to say. Or an or an H, I want to say. <laughs> <laughs> One of the you're, you're worse than a psychic. Uh, I'm sensing a Z. I'm going to be an H. Hilariously, by the way, I will call you out. There's no Z nor H in either of this gentleman's first or last name. Nice. Okay. So it is, well, I'm, it doing, is I'm doing my best to tell her impression. I'm seeing <laughs> someone with a Z. <laughs> no H, H E E. Just throwing out random letters. No, I, I don't know. I'll give you, know. I'll, I'll give you one subtle hint and one obvious hint. The subtle hint: this man has not been an answer today on this day in Bill's headlines. Okay, that would hopefully the subtle one. Yeah, and the obvious one is, but we've heard his name as an answer on this day in Bill's headlines, like today. We had a safety named Duke Williams. Duke Williams, the safety. Very good, Frank. All right. Wow. I, okay. Yeah. So Duke Williams is an answer twice, but different, different Duke Williams. Well done. All right. 2013, Buffalo Bills signed quarterback blank. 
Blank was released by the Oakland Raiders on October 7th after he lost the starting job to Terrell Pryor, another future former Bill. Uh, Mm -hmm. He appeared in two games for the AFC West Club and threw for 246 yards with a touchdown and an interception. This was due to an MRI on Monday revealing that Thad Lewis had a mild foot sprain as day-to-day, and he might miss the upcoming game against the Chiefs, which we all went to. Is this Jeff Toole was there? Jeff Toole was there. I will give the last uh, sentence of this headline. Lewis was injured in the game, and he was replaced by Jeff Toole. So we know it's not Jeff Toole. Matt Flynn. Matt Flynn. There we go. That's right. The guys behind us were chanting Matt Flynn because we went to that game. All right. 2012. This is a a listen carefully headline. Blank leaves Arizona Cardinals game with injury. With just more than two minutes remaining, the Cardinals trailing 16 to 13. Quarterback Blank was sacked on a broken play. He was slow to get up and ultimately did not return to the game. Blank, who had completed 14 of 26 passes for 128 yards with one touchdown, one interception against the Bills, also ran for 66 yards. He was replaced by John Skelton. It's not Trent Edwards, who was also introduced, injured in, you know, had his career basically ended in the Cardinals player game. Who was playing against the Bills, but I've included on this day in Bills headlines. Because it's probably a future Bill. Yeah. So... Scott, did Kevin Cobb ever play for the Arizona Cardinals? He did. Or... Yeah, I I, th- I think I, I was going to let you guys uh, torture yourselves a little, but it's Kevin Cobb. So, yeah. Oh, all right. Cool. Nice. So, yeah, I didn't know falls, that. All right. He, he falls into the category of future Bills, but who never actually played for the Bills, along with Matt Flynn and guys like Vince Young and Matt Leinert. And, and those right. Guys. Um, all right. This one, uh, let's see, 2009. New York Jets cornerback Lito Shepard says Bills not utilizing blank. Says they're just not focusing their offense with him. That's where they're messing up, Shepard said. They've got to do a better job designing plays for him. You've got to be creative and let him do what he does best, and that's run after the catch. Stevie Johnson? No, he was on the team, though, at that in 2009. Donald hmm. Jones? Nope. I will give you a hint. Uh, focus on just the year 2009. Roscoe Parrish? We're not looking for a wide receiver. We're looking for somebody else. No, we're looking for a wide receiver. We're not looking for a multi-year bill. We're looking for a single-year bill. Terrell Owens. Terrell Owens. There we go. There we go. All right. Uh, 2008. Mercifully, Bill Ship Blank Away is a former 26th overall selection Blank bet can't be considered a Walt Patulski or Mike Williams style bust on account of the fact that he wasn't a single digit pick, but he absolutely inhabits the same territory as Eric Flowers, the player the Bills chose in the same spot during the 2000 draft. Flowers spent two forgettable years as a Bills compared to Blank's two years and uh, and change uh, long. Uh, let me try that again. Compared to Blank's two years and change long, insignificant stint. Now, there are two examples of utterly disappointing late first-round defensive linemen this decade for Buffalo's fans to painfully cite. So, Aaron Maben, or... I'm going to go with Aaron Maben with you. Yeah, if you guys... Uh, I think Maben was yeah. drafted in 08, so he was he was the new guy in town at that point. Okay. This guy was a six-draft pick. Oh, six. John McCargo. John McCargo, yeah. I was, yes. ready to, I was ready to give the additional hint... 
Uh, Chris Brown. He actually was traded, but he came back and then played two more years with the team because he failed his physical with the Colts, and it was the most awkward thing ever. Right. All right. This is one I thought might cross you off, but we'll see if this one. I, I also have some optimism in the back of my head. 2004, Bills signed blank to 53-man roster. The Bills announced today the team has signed practice squad wide receiver blank to its 53-man roster following the surprise release of Bobby Shaw. This was a Bills seventh-round pick of the 2000 NFL draft out of Buffalo. He ended up with Indy, where he played one game as a kick returner in 02 before returning to the Bills to play one game in 2004. Is this Naaman Roosevelt? The other universe. Yeah, Naaman way too new. Year 2000, right? Drew Haddad. Scott got it. I heard that. Nice. All right. Nicely done. Two to go. Uh, This is another non-Bills player, and this guy never played for the Bills, so keep that in mind. Okay. All right. 1998, Bill Smith fined for low hit. Uh, The National Football League Thursday levied a $7,500 fine against Buffalo Bills defensive end Bruce Smith for a low hit to the knee of rookie quarterback blank in last Sunday's game. Mark's only the second time Smith has been fined in his 14-year career. Well, it's got to be a good quarterback, and 1998 is too early for Tom Brady, so I'm going to say Peyton Manning. Man, Frank, you are on fire today. Yeah. You are you are you are the fireball whiskey of this day and those headlines today. Scott did well. Scott got Drew Haddad, which let's face it, that was possibly that's the harder question. than anything I got. Yes. Yeah. So I think this is this has been a, a good day. And considering how you started off with the Duke Williams stuff, uh, this has gone pretty well. <laughs> In fact, Duke the Duke Williams's stumbles are your only stumbles. Um, I got fifty percent of the Duke Williams questions right. <laughs> All right, last one. I think this is going to be one you guys get to. 1989, Buffalo's blank has caught NFL defensive back backs off guard with both his speed and ability. And I'll give the description here, and I think this will seal the deal for you. The NFL had never heard of blank until three years ago when Bill Giles, a field representative, blank had uh, field representative uh, found him after he had turned in the fastest 40-yard dash time recorded on that track. And this was an NFL combine guy who noticed that. So impressed was Giles that he immediately asked for Blank's jersey number and as many canisters of game film available as he could find of the wide receiver. That's when he learned the strange truth. There were none. Instead, Giles had discovered a former aluminum siding installer, salesman installer, who had spent the previous four years in and out of school. Now he was back in a single season of National Collegiate Athletic Association uh, with a year of eligibility remaining. It says a year later, here he is in the NFL on the Buffalo Bills roster and out of the aluminum siding business. Well, Reed was drafted much earlier, right? And it can't be Lofton because I think he—it's right. got to he be was Don. Even earlier than Reed, he and was the a, only other guy that makes sense is Don Beebe. Don right? Beebe, is yeah, answer. That was his one skill was he was super fucking fast. Yeah, and so he could, you know, and Kelly could throw to him. But, yep, okay. there's a great story Chris Dishman, or I've heard Don Beebe tell about Chris Dishman his first NFL game where Don Beebe lined up across from him. And said, oh, I hear white boy got speed. And then on the second play from scrimmage, Don Beebe burned him for a 75-yard touchdown through the air. And then Don Beebe lined up against uh, from Dishman next time. And Dishman's like, oh, so so white boy got speed. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, that makes sense. Fun interaction. And that was this day in Bill's headlines for October 15th. Ask Leon Lett if Don Beebe is fast. Right? <laughs> 
Yeah, so the Bills, let's see if we have a Bills-Chiefs line yet. Bills. I think it's Chiefs by three or three and a half, maybe. Yeah, that's not huge, is it? No, Bills Bills get some respect despite falling off the face of the air. And the Chiefs are coming off a loss, uh, too. Right, they are. But, I mean, like, they didn't look like not the Chiefs, I think, right? Like, they looked a lot. Bills, Chiefs, Odd Shark. Yep, Chiefs three and a half I'm seeing. And the over-under, wow, 57 and a half points. That is 51, 51, yeah. Which is weird because here we have, like, the predicted score on Odd Shark is Bills 29, Chiefs 25, 25.9, which is insane. I wouldn't, I would think... If I was going to pick anything, I would say both teams score more than 30 points. But Chiefs are also four-point favorites. I don't know how that works. Um, but, yeah, so I think it's entirely fair to say the Super Bowl Chiefs, Super Bowl uh, champion should be favored even on the road against a, a good Bills team, which certainly came off its, its worst showing in probably not just the worst showing of the year, probably the worst showing in a year. I yeah. think it's. Probably, I, I said the Eagles game was during the game we were chatting. I said it was the Eagles game last year, but they were just flat in the Eagles game. This game, they were not only flat, but they committed a ton of turnovers and just made yeah. just egregious mistakes. Kansas City is going to score tons and tons of points. Probably, um, the Bills will probably need to keep up with them, uh, unless Scott has different thoughts. But that's what I I think everyone on this podcast is going to say. It's just a matter of whether we think they can do it. And I think that one thing we should say as well, Scott, is whether you're picking the Bills to win or lose, how do you feel that affects the rest of the season? Do you think if they lose to this team or win to this team, it has any particular weight with how we should approach the rest of the year? Or do you think the Chiefs are a unique situation and it ought not to fully inform the rest of the season? Please take it away. Uh I'll I'll say to answer the last question first. I mean, I think I don't want to overstate how important it is, but obviously I think these are the, you know, these are the measuring stick games. Last week was 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 a measuring stick game. I mean, the Titans were in the AFC Championship last night, last mm-hmm. year, correct? Or mm-hmm. and you know, you can say that they they kind of had a weird path to get there or whatever, but they they were there and they they showed up on Tuesday night and they they looked like and a defending kind of AFC division playoff winner. And the Bills came up short. I think the Bills will be more motivated. Um, and I think they'll understand that they've got to give it their best shot here and, and try and at least play well enough to get some decent lessons learned so that if we end up having to play them again at some point, that we'll be in a position to to give it a better go. Um, so I, I, I wouldn't say it's going to affect the whole season, but I would say it's also more important than an average game against an out of division opponent. So with that in mind, I, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think I can pick the bills to win. Um, it's just tough watching that recent game. I mean, obviously San, uh, Kansas city didn't light the the game on fire on Sunday against the Raiders. I mean, Mahomes was throwing interceptions and not playing particularly well. I mean, he was playing okay, but he wasn't, he wasn't doing great. And they, they didn't, they weren't able to keep up their pace enough. And obviously their defense was kind of atrocious against, you know, Derek Carr, who was, you know, fine uh, a couple of weeks ago, but was certainly not good enough to win the game um, and got out, outplayed by Allen. So it's not that the Bills can't win this game. I just don't, I just don't know that they will, um, especially with, 
still recovering from this weird week thing and the injuries that the Bills are facing on offense. So I will say, or on defense, excuse me. So I'll say, I'll put it at Kansas City 38, Bills 28. So a defensive and offensive improvement over the week. Um, <laughs> Paul, give us your thoughts, and I'm, I'm just going to step away, and I'll be right back. All right. I, uh, I'll i drag this out since Frank has stepped away. I also uh, believe it will be a better defensive and offensive performance on this the scoreboard, but ultimately I, I rest with Scott on, on this one. I think they're going to, I think the Bills will play a lot better than they did against the Titans this Tuesday. And, you know, I think facing the two teams that squared off in the conference title games in back-to-back weeks is a tough ask. And when it comes down to these sorts of games where it's like great team defending Super Bowl champion coming into Buffalo, uh, have looked very good all year with the exception of their their stumble against the Raiders where, you know, the Raiders just seem to, to pick on them and, and, you know, in ways that were successful. Uh, ultimately, I always think, OK, who's if I have a gun to my head and I'm asked who the better team is, that should be the team that I should pick. And so this is one where I have to go with the Chiefs as well. I agree with Scott on the Chiefs points. I say the Chiefs have 38. I have Buffalo scoring 34. I think they'll do a little bit better than 28. So I have Kansas City 38 and the Chiefs 34. Let me try again. Kansas City 38 and Buffalo 34. That's good. I feel like those are both feel better losses in a weird way. Like, I don't know if we'll actually feel better next week, but like soberingly, like you should feel pretty good about taking the defending Super Bowl champs to the limit um, or close to, uh, you know, a week after they lose a game. And so um, I don't know. I I don't want to pick anything too different. I'm less optimistic about the Bills bouncing back immediately from the Titans. I think they will bounce back from the Titans game, but I think this is a rough stretch for them. I think the Jets are a win, and I think New England's a win. I think those are games that they're going to win. I think they're going to lose to the Chiefs, but I think that they have a little bit more. I don't know. I have a bad feeling that they have a little bit more to learn before they really shore it up. So for me, this game feels more like 36 to 20 kind of, you know, multiple score loss. Um, You know, I would love to be proved wrong. Um, But I think Kansas City has incredible firepower. And unless Buffalo is ready to come out and and actually, you know, take it to them, which is what they're built to do. But I, I just have a feeling like if John Brown is not great and Dawson Knox is not great, that's I think it's just a slightly longer learning process for Josh Allen to accept those underneath throws and 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 win games that way. Um, Sammy Watkins down, I think, could could, could help uh, the Bills with regards to this. But, you know, if you're asking what I think, I think the Chiefs are a better team and I think they're a much better team. And I think if there's a team that is good at probably going to bounce back and also be good to um, pounce on a struggling opponent. It's going to be, it's going to be the chiefs and not the bills. So um, we'll see. I'm, I'm happy to be wrong. I think we'd all be happy to be wrong. Um, And if we are wrong, you should gloat about it. MNY bills on Twitter or facebook.com slash B bills MNY. We are happy to, to take our shellacking if the bills manage to pull out a victory against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, but in the event that they don't, we can talk about that too. Uh, 
share this with friends. Let them know about how our podcast, what a great second in this day in Bills history is. You got to know some other Bills fans. Uh, you know, we'd love to kind of expand our, our, our MNY family here. Um, not family. We don't really care about you that much. But um, we'd love for more people to listen and to be, we'd love the engagement. Um, and it's been fun for us to do this podcast. And we will continue to do it. And we will do it next week. Uh, not sure when, because the schedule's weird. But until whenever, my name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. Good night.